Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. As we shared last week during the fast, we, we need your prayers. We covered your prayers. and Sometimes we, we mention off topic here, we say, you know, pray because it makes us feel a little bit better knowing that someone's praying for us. But I think it's more than that. It actually changes things when people pray for us. It's not just that we feel better knowing people are praying for us. It is better because people are praying for us. Circumstances are different. And we're well into the service already, so I'm not going to spend too much time talking nonsense this morning. Let's get straight into the Word. And I want to continue with a passage we've been speaking on a lot this year, at least in the sessions that I've been doing with us, Second Chronicles 29, verses 11. And I said at the beginning of the year that I really sense God was saying to us as a church that we, this year, He's inviting us to step in, to step into His love and to step into His purpose. That as we step into His love, that empowers us to step into purpose. And that purpose outside of love is dead works. And that's a slave mentality. But God calls us as sons and daughters in His house. So it starts with knowing that we are loved. That we are welcome. That we are celebrated. And out of that, we step out into what God calls us into His purpose. And in verse 11 of Second Chronicles 29, we read, My sons, in the New Living Translations, don't neglect your duties any longer. The Lord has chosen you to stand in His presence, to minister to Him, to lead the people in worship and present offerings to Him. The sort of more word-for-word -word translations would say, My son, don't now be negligent, for the Lord has chosen you to stand in His presence, to minister to Him, to be ministers, to be His ministers, and to make offerings to Him. In the last couple of weeks, we talk about the fact that you and I, as hard as this may be for some of us to say, we are God's gift to mankind. God has chosen us as gifts. We looked at Jacob and Laban, and we saw that Laban realized that he was richer because of Jacob. That God had given La Jacob to Laban and Laban didn't want Jacob to leave because he realized Jacob brought God's blessing, God's favor, God's goodness with him. In that sense, Jacob was God's gift to Laban. And so you and I are God's gift to the people around us, not because we're so special, not because we have these amazing abilities and gifts and we're higher than anybody else, but we carry the presence of God with us wherever we go. We are God's gift to the people around us and to our communities. God has chosen you and God has chosen me. And we spend a lot of time talking about the fact, and hopefully it's beginning to settle somewhere in our heart, that God has chosen me. Not only the person in front of me or the person next to me, not only my small group leader, God has chosen me. As you sit there, some of us, we need to verbalize that. We need to be able to write that down. We need to own the fact God has chosen me. God hasn't overlooked me. God hasn't bypassed me. God hasn't ignored me. God has chosen me. And so 
Hezekiah comes to the priests and he reminds them first and foremost, God has chosen you. He says, don't be negligent, be diligent. Don't ignore the work that's ahead of that's been before you. Let's be deliberate because God has chosen. And that's the first thing which God really has been highlighting to us that God has chosen. And he has chosen us to do four very specific things in this text, which I believe God is wanting to remind us for as a church that he's called us to these things. And reminder, when I say us as a church, I don't talk about some distant organization. I don't talk about some structure. When I say our church, I mean you and me. Us sitting here and those who can't be with us, those who are going away next week on a camp, that is our church. Our church is when we gather, is when we come together. The organization around that, the structuring, the stuff that Adna keeps herself busy with in terms of the logistics, that's not the church. That's to allow us to be the church, to help us to be that church gathering, the community, the family. Four specific things. He has chosen us to stand in His presence. Spoke about that last week or two weeks ago in quite some depth. That God has called us to stand in His presence. That we are welcome to come to the cross of Christ, that that which Jesus did opened away, the veil was torn. We are welcome to come into his presence. And not only are we welcome, not only are we allowed, not only is it okay for us to come to God's presence, but he has chosen us to stand in his presence. And as we press into this year, I want to encourage us, let's be deliberate about pressing in to his presence. God, God has chosen you to stand there. God has chosen you to come before him. God has chosen you as a son. He's saying, come into my court. There's identity that he wants to establish in us. There is purpose that he wants to establish in us. There is heart and nature and being that he wants to impart in us that only happens in his presence. And so on the camp, we'll take some time around that as well. God has chosen us to stand in his presence, we still said that we must always go to holy ground before we go to the battleground. But before we step out into the world out there, we also last week or two weeks ago, whenever it was, spoke about the fact that God has called us to stand in his presence so that we can also stand in the world. Paul says that having done all to stand, we must stand therefore. And he, he talks about the character traits and the nature and the way in which we should conduct and live our lives, which are part of the weapons of our warfare. And so we're called to stand in God's presence and from God's presence, everything outflows. But if we don't learn to first st- learn to stand in God's presence, everything else we do is going to struggle and fall short. We will be, in a sense, Weak there, not only in the natural, but weak in our spirit. Weak in our being. We will fall and fail in many other places if we don't learn to stand in the presence of God. And so you have been chosen to stand. And then we looked at the fact that we have been chosen to minister. 
We see it's interesting that in the word-for-word word translations, it says two separate things here. We have been chosen to minister to God and to be His ministers. Those are two separate and different things. The first one is we have been chosen to minister to Him, and that's a reference to the functions of the priests. This is also a recap of last time. The priests who would light the candles and attend to the table of showbread, the priests who would be doing things in God's presence, perhaps on behalf of the people, but for God, to God. When we are ministering to God, our disposition is to Him. We are focused on to Christ. And so we come and perhaps we serve in His house. And we do that, and yes, people benefit from the fact that I am serving coffee this morning. But my purpose in doing it is because my heart is to Jesus. I'm ministering to God. I'm coming to prayer and I'm spending time in worship, even in praise a little bit earlier. We were ministering to God in our doing that. He's called us as a kingdom of kings and priests to God his Father. And every one of us are called to this place, chosen to minister to him. He said spiritually that includes things like prayer and intercession, Praise and worship, prophecy, prophetic acts, those are all things that we do in our ministry to God, practically caring for His house, because that's what the priests would do, is they would minister to God. But then this morning, I want us to focus on, on the next two. Not only have we been chosen to minister to Him, but we have been chosen to be His ministers. The word ministry here is a synonym for servant. We have been called to be his servants. And the difference here is the one we are doing to God, now we are doing it for God. You understand the difference between the two? I can bring my dad, if I'm in a home with my family, and I can bring my mom and dad, I can make them breakfast, I can make them coffee. I'm, I'm ministering to them when I do that. And then my mom or my dad or whatever could say, can you go to Checkers and buy this for me? Now I'm not doing, I'm doing it out of a love for them, but now I'm stepping out and I'm doing actions on their behalf. I'm serving them. The one is I'm doing something which encourages them, is a heart, it's a blessing to them. The other one is I'm not stepping out and I'm doing the things that they need to see done. I'm helping them to do what matters. Yesterday as I was praying through this, I felt God to say, for us to do anything that matters, to step into purpose, to step into that which matters, the first thing we have to do is we have to find out what matters to God. You see, we can't be busy with things that matter if we haven't first determined that they matter to God. So much of the world today, we are tied up and we are running and we are busy with things that, we, that matter to us, but perhaps they don't matter to God as much. And perhaps there are things that really matter to God, but they don't matter to us so much. You see, being his servant starts with the fact of finding out, God, what matters to you? God, what matters to you? God, what are the things that are on your heart? God, if I'm stepping out and I'm serving you, I'm now not only bringing things to you, ministering to you, but I'm now ministering, I'm now being your minister. In a sense, I'm stepping out on your behalf. I have to settle what matters to you. The more I've been praying about this, there's obviously a bunch of stuff that matters to him. 
But more and more, I sense God is just calling us to the thing that matters most to Him. In eternity, the thing that matters most to Him is His name and His glory. But for the age that we're on now, sort of subservient to His name and His glory, what matters to Him, we see in, throughout Scripture. I've just highlighted a couple here to help us. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. That if we're talking about ministering for God, we have to have written deep in our heart a love for souls. John 3 verse 16 and 17, most of us know these verses probably off by heart. For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Most of us know verse 16. And verse 17, which is equally important. God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. John 12, 46, I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. I will not judge those who hear me Sorry, I will not judge those who hear me, but don't obey me. For I have come to save the world, not to judge it. And I guess Paul writing to Timothy sums it up so brilliantly. He says, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I'm the worst of them. That settles it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. For this purpose, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And so if we're embracing this word that God has chosen us, He's chosen us to stand in His presence, He's chosen us to minister to Him, but He has chosen us to be His ministers, what is He talking about there for us? Well, He's chosen us to be carriers of the gospel. He's chosen us to be people who go out ministering the word. He has chosen us to be witnesses. We prayed at depth, at length, into that last week. Witnesses. Can I maybe throw another angle on that? That every single one of us are witnesses of Jesus. To a dying and to a broken world. The only question is, are we good witnesses or bad witnesses? But we are witnesses. The world looks at us as a reference for who Jesus is. And then the question is, are we showing them who Jesus truly is? Are we telling them who Jesus truly is? And I hope that we are. And as we're growing, and one of the reasons we do Bible school is to help us in that, to help us understand what is God's view, what is His plan, what is His purpose. How does God think about the various situations we face in life? God has chosen you. God has chosen you not only to minister to Him, but to be His minister, to be His servant. And so one of the things that I just sense God is beginning to stir 
up in us more and more and kind of I'm trusting God to never ever have a conversation again. Hopefully none of us here have ever had that. But from time to time, we speak to people in small groups and we say, hey, we have a need and you are perfectly placed to meet this need, to lead this group, to disciple these people. No, no, I don't, I don't feel that I can or I want to lead this group. I'm trusting God for us never to have that conversation again. But to have a conversation where that's going to be hard for me. These are the things that right now are going to make it hard. But I'm going to trust God that he will provide in all of my need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Because he has chosen me to be his minister. And so there are some practical challenges for us around this right now. But God has chosen me. God hasn't chosen me for when it's comfortable. God hasn't chosen me for when it's nice. God hasn't chosen me for when the kids leave the home. God hasn't chosen me. God has chosen me now. Because there's a need for salvation now. There's a need for disciples now. There's a need for lives to be changed now. And I love the fact that as a church, as a whole, we have a can-do approach. Don't want to get into the politics of it, so I'm not endorsing or not endorsing. I'm not saying anything about the politic, politics here. It's a little bit of an asterisk disclaimer. But a couple of years ago when Barack Obama was running for president, I think he had the most biblical slogan ever. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Can we lead this small group? Yes, we can. How can we lead this small group? I have no clue. But we can, because Christ will guide us, and Christ will give us witness. Can I start a prayer group in my work? Yes, we can. How can I start a prayer group in my work? I have no clue, but I'm going to start. Can I? Yes, I can. Can I minister to my neighbor? Yes, I can. Can I step out in boldness? Yes, I can. Can I make a difference? Yes, I can. Can I reach the lost? Yes, I can. Can I preach the gospel? Yes, I can. Can I be a witness to Jesus? Yes, I can. How can I? That's a totally different question. How am I going to juggle all of these balls? How am I going to make it all fit? I don't quite get how I'm going to do that, but I know I can. Because Christ will enable me to. I'm caught in two minds whether I should say this, but I'm going to say this anyway. Darlington, you need to close your ears now quickly. Situation with Darlington pops up and we're like, can we appoint this guy? Yes, we can. Can we pay for it? I'm not so sure. But God is in this and I believe God is so, yes, we can. Is God moving here? Yes, God is moving here. Does the budget agree? Well, probably not quite at the moment. But God will provide in all of our need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And so sometimes we need to be in that place where we extend ourselves, where we step out in faith and we say, God, you can do this because you are doing this, God. God, because this is what matters to you. And if it matters to you, I'm going to make it matter to me. And God, actually, you've given us this great promise that you will pay for it too. So God, I'm going to trust you. And there might be times where we need to tighten the belt and there might be times where we need to sleep less and there might be times where it's a little bit awkward and it's a little bit uncomfortable. But in case you haven't realized this yet, following Jesus isn't about comfort. Comfort is not a fruit of the Spirit. Comfort is a work of the Holy Spirit because we need to be comforted as we're following Jesus. 
We find ourselves in uncomfortable situations and then we need the comforter to come and comfort us. See, God doesn't call us to comfort. I hate doing this because it's scary for me, but I need to do it. It's good for me from time to time to go and read Hebrews 10 and 11, to go and read about the giants of the faith. Because every time I read about it, I read that they didn't do comfortable things. That's not what got their names in the hall of fame of faith. It's not because they had this most comfortable couch and they lay on it all day long. No one has laid in a couch as much as Philip laid in that couch. Hall of fame faith. No, They got out and they did uncomfortable things. So uncomfortable they were sawn in two. So uncomfortable that lions ate them and they were fed to lions. So uncomfortable that it cost them their lives, but they're the heroes of our faith. Following Jesus isn't about comfort, but it is about faith and about obedience. We'll be speaking about that in in the coming weeks, the faith, but just stepping out and allowing God. Can we? Yes, we can. How can we? We've got to figure that out still. But our disposition should be, I love this in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 8. Some of you may know or have heard of the 268 generation, also called the passion movement, maybe just as an aside. In our Western world, most of us don't understand the word passion. We think passion is what I'm excited about. Passion is what gets my heart pumping. Passion is what gets me kind of jumping up at the roof. Passion is what gets me wake up in the morning. Passion is kind of when the adrenaline's running. That's not what passion is, at least not in your dictionary. Passion in your dictionary is going to say that which you're willing to suffer for. What am I passionate about? Well, that which I'm willing to suffer and to sacrifice, to give up for. I remember as a student when the movie The Passion of the Christ came out, which is um, sort of Latin terminology translated but used often in the Catholic Church, and they understand why it's The Passion of the Christ, I had no idea why the movie was called The Passion of the Christ. And then I got a dictionary, and I saw The Passion of the Christ is the suffering of the Christ. That's why it's a passion. He's willing to suffer for it. So let's be passionate for Jesus. That's our first core value, passion for Jesus. That means that in this world, in the natural, there are sufferings included. We have been chosen, you have been chosen to be his minister. Jesus actually echoes this to us in John 15. He says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. As you sit here, you didn't choose Jesus, he chose you. And not only did I choose you, I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for, using my name. This is my command, love each other. You see, God has chosen you and he has appointed you to bear fruit. God hasn't just chosen and appointed you to stand in his presence. God hasn't just called you to be in this holy of holies where it's amazing, but he's also so that we should go, it says there, you should go. You should go. And produce fruit. I think one of the biggest challenges in church, and I guess as pastors, one of the things that we're wrestling with most since COVID, and I speak to people across the world around this. I saw just some posts around it on Instagram this morning. Again, one pastor saying that church was never meant to be a couch experience. 
Don't let what was normal in the pandemic become normal now. You see, the normal for church should be go. It should be movement. There should be action. There should be momentum. One of the biggest things we're wrestling with is getting, you know, we used to have FOMO. Hopefully FOMO is coming back into life again. Fear of missing out. And then in the pandemic it became FOGO, fear of going out. We locked ourselves in our rooms. We found our comfortable spots on our couches. And spiritually, so much of the broader church of Jesus is still stuck there. And the Holy Spirit is wanting to come and say to us, I really believe I appointed you to go. To go. There is way too much staticness, status in the church. We're, we're not moving too often. I wonder how often tomorrow morning when we wake up, when we start going to work, how many of us are just going to work or we're going to a ministry field? Are we going to class or are we going to a ministry field? Am I going because God has appointed and sent me here to bear fruit? Or am I going to a, a place of work but spiritually I'm not going? Spiritually, I'm not in this go process. I wonder how many of us are, are, I'm willing to talk to somebody about Jesus if I'm sitting at the restaurant and they happen to come sit next to me and say, will you share with me about Jesus? Or how many of us are actively walking around looking for opportunities to minister and to make disciples? How often are we saying, God, you have chosen me to go, so I guess it probably means I need to get going. I'm actively looking for opportunities to be his servant, to be his minister. Matthew 28, another passage which probably most of us know off by heart. Jesus came and he told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples. It's interesting. He didn't say, you guys just stay here and I will send people to you to disciple. Go and make disciples. There is an action involved. There is a stepping out involved. There is a faith stretch involved. We've got these guys going to the shelter. I think Yaku was there this morning. In the inner city with homeless people. Well, let us go and make disciples. There's a door that's open at We're going there every Sunday. It's a little bit uncomfortable. It's a little bit earlier. It's a little bit awkward, but we're going. Can I encourage you? Everywhere you go, there's an opportunity to do that. You don't have to only go here or go to the shelter. There's absolutely no reason why tomorrow morning when you wake up and you go to work, you can change your work mind and say, I'm not going to work. I'm going to a ministry field. I'm not going to class. I'm going to a ministry field. I'm not going to lunch. I'm going to a ministry field because I've been chosen to be his minister. So everywhere I go, I'm going as a minister. Go and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all of the commands. That's one of the reasons why Bible school is so important to us because God has told us to do this. We must go and teach people. And Bible school, can I just say, is two sides to the same coin. On the one hand, you're coming and you're being taught. 
you're being discipled, you're learning what it is to follow Christ according to the Scriptures. The flip side of that coin is you are now equipped to teach others. Not everybody in your workplace is going to be able to get around to Bible school. But if you've taken time to study the Scripture at something like Bible school or in your class, you've learned Bible school, guess what? You can have a conversation in class, and guess what? You can take Bible school to people. Maybe just one lecture, maybe just one little piece, maybe just one component, but suddenly you are empowering yourself to be a better minister. So it's not only about receiving, it's, also about, it's not only about being discipled, it's also about being equipped to disciple others. Are we actively seeking opportunities to go with the gospel? What I want us to understand is God wants us to go because he has chosen us to go. There's an anointing that rests upon you. I've spoken about this a little bit. I have just been, in Afrikaans would say, my back, my mouth has literally been just falling open on campus. As I've re-engaged with campus, got back onto campus, starting knocking on doors on campus, the amount of doors that open, the favor that opens, the people that are willing to meet with, speak with, discuss things to me, And I know it's not me, but I know it's because God has chosen. So what I love now is when I head towards campus, there's this thing stirring in my heart. I love going here. I love going to campus. I love meeting with senior leaders on campus because God is sending me. And he's opened the doors. And all I have to do is walk through them and just be willing. Have the conversations. Be wise in the conversations. Steward the relationships. Do all of those things well. But God is in this. And when God is in it, it makes it easy. It's still hard work, but it's easy. Find those places where God is in it in your life. And can I tell you, one place where God will always be in it is when it comes to souls. Because that's why Jesus came for souls. When we embrace souls, when we step into souls, you know what I would love to have us have? I would love every time any of us come to church and we see an open chair, our heart bleeds. Because there's somebody I could have invited to be here. There's somebody I could have prayed for. There's space here for somebody else to have experienced Jesus. They're not here yet. God, my heart's bleeding for them. God, every Sunday when I come, I want to see people coming to Jesus. They don't know Jesus yet. doesn't matter. Let me bring them to Jesus so they can get to meet him. They're not going to get to know him if we don't introduce him. Little, I know it's obvious, but sometimes we need to say those things. If they don't experience his presence, if they don't experience his word, let us bring them. God has chosen you to be his servant. Sometimes we forget that so easily. God has chosen you to stand in his presence. God has chosen you to minister to him. God has chosen you to be his servant. And then the last one, God has chosen you to make offerings. The interesting language here is, the original language here is interesting. It specifically speaks about perfume or about incense that's being made and being burnt It's interesting to see how all the different Bible translators sort of interpret this and render this. Some of them would say specifically, and to burn incense, 
which is about bringing offerings to God. It's also about praying. It's a prophetic picture we see in Romans chapter 12. Verse, sorry, let me I'll get back to that one now. Revelation 5. Let's just jump forward one verse there, please, Bethel. When he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they held golden bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. God has chosen you to pray. You may be saying, Philip, I don't even know where to start in my community, in my work, in my class. Fair enough. I get that you don't get that. We can please come and speak to me. We'd love to figure out, we want to help you, come alongside you. But here is something you can begin to do. Begin to pray. Take your lunch hour once a week and say, I'm going to fast for my workplace once a week. And you take that hour and you pray. And you walk up, walk up and down the corridors and you walk around the building and you just pray. You say, God, this is your place, God. Just pray. Or you go in half an hour early or you stay half an hour late. You just make a little bit of extra time and you say, God, I'm going to pray for this place because I've been called to burn incense. Burning incense then also speaks about offerings. It speaks about worship, burning. The whole concept of burning, interesting worship once again, is something which theologically I think we so misunderstand so much of, unfortunately, in the modern church. We think worship from a consumer mentality is all about me coming and receiving something. Where the biblical picture of worship is always about something being consumed. If I bring something in an Old Testament context to worship, I had us, for those of us who were fasting, we read the whole sort of story around Hezekiah's reforms and his revival. And Megan comes to me, she says, I don't, I don't get that. All of the stuff being burnt and these animals and those animals and all these different sacrifices. The point for this morning, at least, is all of that worship involved bringing something of value and letting it be burnt. Bring something of value and giving it up. That's worship. That's the Old Testament picture of worship. And so as we come into a worship environment, I hope we come not to be consumers, but to be consumed. To be consumed by God. To be consumed by His glory. Not, oh, we sang that song last week. I'm over that song. Can we have a new song? Because I finished consuming that song. I need something else to consume. Well, God, here I am. Send fire to consume me, to burn me up, to take every part of me that doesn't reflect your glory and burn it away so that I can reflect who you are. And God, the stuff even that matters to me, because that's the other element of burning and of offering, is stuff that matters, that's important to me, God. But God, you're more important. So let me bring this to you. The picture of offerings. And can I just put in there that as a church, I'm always amazed whenever we look at the finances every month because there is significant offerings coming from you guys in a financial sense. And I want to honor you and thank you for that. But let's be willing to grow in that. To say, God, I want to bring my offerings. I have been chosen. And so often I meet with people, especially if it's a business person or someone, someone comes into church. And the question that comes up often is, 
something about money. You know, what if God wants my money and all of those type of things? And I can say, don't worry. God's not interested in your money. It's much better than that. Romans 12 verse 1. So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. God isn't interested in your money. He's interested in you, all of you, every part of you. It's not the money that he's after. It's the heart that he is after. It's amazing how often the money can be a stumbling block in coming to God. My answer is simple. Forget about the money. Because when God's got your heart, he's got the money too. I think it was Martin Luther who said, the last part of any human to be sanctified or any believer to be sanctified is the purse. Another famous, I think it might have been Spurgeon said, there are three conversions. There's a conversion of the heart. I choose to follow Jesus. I love Jesus. There's a conversion of the mind. I begin to think like Jesus. My mind is renewed. And then there's a conversion of the wallet. (laughs) Three conversions. But Scripture speaks about the fact that you have been chosen to bring offerings. And what I'm trying to say for us this morning, it's not about the money. Too often when we hear offering, we think money. God isn't thinking money when he's thinking offering. He's thinking heart. He's thinking you. Every part of you. And you have been chosen to bring offerings to God. It's not just that it's a nice to have. It's part of if we want to step into the purpose that God has for you. I say this with all humility, but at the same time with all of the confidence in the word. That if you in 2023 want to walk in everything that God has planned for you, you need to embrace that he has chosen you to stand in his presence. He has chosen you to minister to him. He has chosen you to be his minister. And he has chosen you to make offerings, to burn incense, to bring prayer, to bring yourself as a living sacrifice, to be consumed, to bring everything you are, to say, God, it is here for your glory. I'm convinced if you embrace that, if we hold on to that, if we press into that, you will step in what God's called you to do for 2023. We will see lives changed and lives transformed. I love the fact for those who were here on Monday evening for the fast breaking, we had people just come up and just share some of the things that God's been loosening in their hearts for this year. What I love about them, it was all big things, huge things, things that impact and change nations and entire communities and environments. I love that because that's the God we serve. See, God hasn't called me to mow my lawn. I need to do that as a husband or a father or appoint someone, make sure it happens. I need to be a, manage my household well. But that's not the calling of God upon my life. The calling of God upon my life goes way beyond the walls of my home and my house. It's God has chosen you and he has chosen me. And so I'm going to ask us to stand this morning and I'd like us to take a moment to pray together. You guys can stand so long. I want to pray with a couple of us this morning. 
You see, some of us, we're wrestling with the idea that God has chosen me. It's still not something that is settled in my spirit. It's easy for me to think God has chosen somebody else. But God has chosen me. I'm not so sure. This morning, if that's you, I want to spend some time. We want to pray with you. We're going to trust God to shift and drop something in your spirit that you would know God has chosen me. And the second group of people I'd love to pray with this morning. You see, as I was speaking, you realized that somehow you have lost, or you don't have at this moment a heart for souls. Salvation isn't right at the top of your priority list. There's a whole bunch of other things. And then, yes, you know it must be there someone, but seeing people saved is like, it's there somewhere. Maybe in the top 10, it's there, it's on my radar. Sort of somewhere there. God's wanting to take that. Pluck it out. Pop it at the top. And remind us that if we're chosen to be His ministers, it's about souls. It's about seeing people saved, coming to Christ, discipled in the faith. God wants to rework that priority list inside of you. Can I also say, that's not something you can do. You can't go home and say, okay, I'm not going to decide to make souls more important. This is something God needs to do in your heart. He needs to come and reprogram, come and shift things up, move them around. So I want to ask this morning, we haven't done this in a long time. We're going to start doing this a lot more going forward again. I just sense God is calling us just to step more boldly into His grace. If you fall into one of those two groups, I'm going to ask you to be bold and just step into the front. We're going to lay hands on you. We're going to trust God for you to know that you were chosen. God's going to rework your priorities because you can't do it, but He can. How? I don't quite know how He's going to do it for you. Can He? Yes, He can. The band's going to continue to lead us in worship. I want to encourage you this morning. If God's stirring in your heart, step out and be bold. Come to the front. There we go, Conquiste. Let's not hold back. Let's not say, God, I'm not going to embrace what you've got for us for 2023, God. God, I want to see you moving in my heart. I want to see you moving in my life. I want to see you moving in my community. But God, what's most important is I want to see you moving. And I don't get to determine what that looks like. You do, God. I love this whole thing that's been happening in Asbury in the United States. Some of you may know about it. And how many theologians are all upset about it? And I, I, I can't help but laugh when I read. They say, this can't be God because. In other words, it can't be God because it doesn't look like the way I think God should do it. No, God's not going to do it the way you and I think He should do it. He's going to do it the way He wants to do it. It's going to send revival to this city. It's not going to look like I can, I can pray for it. I can hope for it. I can try and describe it. But I also know when it comes, it's not going to look like that. God is going to do it in our hearts, in our lives, in our minds. I'm going to pray for us collectively. And then if you need to go, you're more than welcome to go. Jesus, thank you this morning that you are faithful. Lord, not only are you faithful to meet with us, but you are faithful because you have chosen us, Lord. And so this morning, we 
here and we put up our hands like Isaiah did. And he said, here I am, choose me. And God, you're responding, saying, I've chosen you. Thank you, Lord, that you have chosen us. So we bring our hearts before you, Lord God. We bring our purpose, we bring our busyness, we bring our activity, Lord. And we say, God, would you come and reprogram inside of us what needs to be reprogrammed, God? Would you cause us to see as you see, think as you think, move as you move? God, would you rebirth within us a passion for souls, Lord? God, this morning we confess that you have chosen us. You have chosen us to stand in your presence, Lord. You have chosen us to minister to you. It's so beautiful that we get to do that, God. Lord, you've chosen us to be your ministers, your servants who go and make disciples. And you've chosen us to bring offerings, Lord. And so this morning, we embrace all of those as comfortable and uncomfortable as they make us, Lord. As weird as it feels, it looks, it seems, God, as uncomfortable as we are in the not knowing what it looks like, we still embrace it and we say, yes, Jesus. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash shofarpretoria.